Sex, now that I've got your attention, welcome to episode 28 of the Be Yourself and Love It podcast with me, Anthony Samaroff. I'm joined today with Ruth Souter. She's a relationship coach, writer, yoga teacher, speaker, and she specializes in helping people attain a greater level of intimacy, love, and sex in their lives, whether or not they have a partner yet. So what more need I say? We're going to break down some taboos today and get intimate. Okay, I'm here with Ruth Souter. She is the founder of Intimacy for Intrepid Souls. Not too much of an intrepid soul herself. She helps people overcome insecurities and emotional struggles to create the sex, love and relationships they desire. Thank you so much for joining me on the Be Yourself and Love It podcast, Ruth. Anthony, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, it's my pleasure. We are talking about sex, baby, you and me, and some ways of increasing our capacity for intimacy. Well, I never knew that I was such a good rapper. Um, <laughs> sexual empowerment is the topic of today's discussion. And before we find out a little bit about you, maybe you can tell us a little bit about what sexual empowerment means to you at What's your perspective on that? Yeah, good question. So sexual empowerment for me is really about finding what our most authentic uh, sexuality or sexual identity is. Um, I feel like we receive a lot of messages through our lives about what we should be like in life, including um, what we should be like in relationships and what we should be like in our sex lives. And we kind of carry that through and often we don't really question it that much. Um, But I mean, that's a cookie-cutter model and none of us are actually cookie-cutter humans. So uh, sexual empowerment is about finding what is really going to work for us and how to um, – sorry, I've got a bit of a cold yeah. – <laughs> um, and how to actually, like, do that in a healthy um, and, and joyful way in the world. Fascinating. What kind of messages do you think that people receive around sex that – Um, disconnect them from their authentic self and presumably there's different ones particularly along gender lines yeah I mean there's similarities and differences I guess pretty much all of us receive the message that like touching ourselves is really really bad and dirty and um and that you know there are certain ways that relationships should look like most of us have received the message that we should as some point meet the one not too early mm. not too late we're supposed to be one and then have like 2.5 children and kind of live happily ever after and people tend to either like adopt that and strive for it and feel yeah. like they've failed if they don't achieve it or they kind of go the complete opposite way where they're like I would never I would mm. never settle for any of that and then they'd like defiantly different um and I think the reality is that most of us will fall into some some place in between those two things and so sexual empowerment is really about um just testing all of those things mm. and kind of a more innocent perspective of what we mm. actually really want in terms of connection and sexuality right so rather than like come to the world with a preconceived idea of what we are meant to want in love and relationships and in sex you know to find out for ourselves like what feels right for us and what what we enjoy what brings us joy and how we find ways to connect with other people yeah exactly i mean 50 percent of adults like live alone 
So mm. <laughs> however you look wow. at it, there's like half of society is not fitting into mm. what we see as the models that we're supposed mm. to be in. So um, even just based on that, it's like really worth reassessing like, oh, what, what really is happening? What really is going to um, make us feel happy and connected? For sure. So how did you come to be teaching this kind of thing and working with people? What's your background? How did you come to this journey? Yeah, it's funny. If you'd asked me five years ago, I would mm. never have expected <laughs> that I would be doing this work. Um, I kind of fell into it, I guess. I was a yoga teacher for 10 years, so I was always kind of into like body wisdom and and spiritual traditions, I suppose. Um, and then I came out of a really long-term relationship um, where we did, you know, we did everything to make it work and we didn't, we didn't succeed. So I found myself like trying to like work out what do you do when you're in that situation? Like how do you be a person in the let alone like how do you, I'd never been on a date before. Like, how do I do that? Um, how do I, um, what does all this look like now? Should I just try and find a replacement partner or that? So I kind of went on a bit of a personal journey um, and I found myself working um, in, like with all sorts of different things but being really, really drawn to Tantra as a practice. Mm. Um, tantra is amazing because you can do it with people or on your own, <laughs> if anyone's wondering. It's like people tend to think like it's Kama Sutra kind of like hippies in a hall or something, um, but it's it's a little bit different to that. So I started getting into that and then I discovered my teacher, Layla Martin, um, who is amazing if anybody wants to check out the work that she does in the world. And um, she put up a post saying it was the first year she was going to offer um, to train people to be coaches in her method. And when I saw the post, I was like, oh, God, as if, like, there's no way I'm going to become a sex, love, and relationships coach. And I just found myself applying. Um, <laughs> and it took me um, – because I'm, I'm quite a shy person. Like, I hate mm. being the centre of attention um, – I, I was quite traditional. I'd been in a 17-year relationship that I put above everything else. Like I did not see myself like being an experimental person, but all of that changed. Uh, and it took me like a couple of months to tell my family. Um, yeah. And it was pretty funny because we sat down, we were having breakfast, and I told them what I was doing. And my brother-in-law was immediately like, oh, so you're starting a creepy yoga sex cult. And it was like, oh, wow. <laughs> only. I mean, that sounds like a lot of fun, but that's not what I'm doing. Yeah, like that's that's hilarious. Yeah, thanks for bringing out all of my worst nightmares immediately. Right. <laughs> um, so that was yeah, but basically went undertook the course, went through 600 hours of training, and hands down the best thing I've ever done. Wow. And I don't think I'd understood then. Like I'd had an intuition for how important sexual empowerment is um, in terms of the knock-on effect to every other aspect of our lives. But I I think now like I. I really wish people understood, like, if you're sexually empowered, like, there's no part of your life where you're not empowered. It's not like you can be sexually empowered and go to work and be a pushover. It's not like right. you can be sexually empowered and go back to your family and get into some fight that you're out of control of. Like, you're mm. very in yourself and in your authenticity mm. and in your power when you, when you connect with your sexuality in that way. So I really feel like I've um, found the thing I was always looking for, I guess, and it's really amazing to be able to share it with people. Well, that's that is the dream, you know, to find something that really is wonderful for you and to change your life and go out and see the your experience be able to be reflected in others and transform them and and help them too. Um, so I guess that opens up a lot of big questions. First of all, for those who are not too sure or 
I have the sort of Karma Sutra view. Since we've got an hour, we can um, tease some of these things out a little bit. Tantra isn't all about the moves or um, um, having sexual intercourse for eight hours or whatever. Uh, but what is it about? Yeah, I mean, Tantra is quite a confusing concept because there's the basis of Tantra, which is traditional Tantra, and then the Tantra that we know in the West, which is, I, I like to think of it, a good metaphor is yoga. Mm. Like, yoga um, has this massive spiritual tradition, and you can have a guru, and you can study one-on-one for years, and you can kind of go down this all of these different paths in yoga. In the West, it tends to be stretching, right? Mm. And, you know, for people sure. go to yoga and they might get a nice stretch. They might get a nice stretch and discover that they're a much nicer person when they go to yoga and mm. they really they de-stress a lot. They might go to yoga and discover that they get enlightened. You know, there are all those aspects. And I think that Tantra, as it's taught in the West, it's kind of like a neo-Tantra and it's similar. It's like people might go to start learning some Tantra techniques and they might increase their sensitivity and connection to themselves and that would be really cool. Um, they might find that they get like orgasmic potential that they hadn't expected, which, um, well, yeah, they might go and find they get um, enlightened. And I think it's really interesting that there's still that cultural resistance to that because, you know, worst case scenario, people get better orgasms. It's Mm. like it's really not that bad. (laughs) Right, right. Right, and um, I mean, sex just comes out in the most crassest form and the kind of comedy and and things like that because we don't look at these issues and take them seriously they kind of maybe get a little bit more corrupted and yeah it's kind of weird because it's like we make it more serious than it is and Mm. less serious than it is at the same time like we kind of make out like um like we can do without it like it's a nice to have and um, so long as it's working, don't worry about it. Like we can kind of dismiss sexuality in a lot of ways, and in another way, we kind of make a massive big deal of mm. it when we buy a car if we think it's going to get us laid, you know, mm. um, or we kind of really fetishize it. And I think mm. it's somewhere in between. You know, you can have like a light-hearted approach to sexuality and to tantra, and I think that's the healthiest way to do it. Like it's not like you try a technique and it's like it must work. Mm. Um, it's it's very individual, and it's and it's quite funny when you're actually. Um, playing with these things, but the approach, I think the best approach is to have a play, you know, see if it works for you. If it doesn't, that's plenty of other things you can do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and people are absolutely terrified of going into encounters and, I don't know, not delivering the goods or um, being nervous or shy or if something doesn't work right or someone doesn't like something, it's like all of a sudden it's a big deal and things become very grave when, like, in my limited experience you know <laughs> as a guy like definitely felt a lot of um you know pressure to to deliver the goods to perform but it's like what i discovered is like if you're cool with it and don't create a big drama then she's cool with it you know and uh, you can always work yeah I, i'm making it sound like i've made, made all sorts of highness mistakes but that's interesting to say to to take it on to the personal level because that in itself is an interesting thing about how we talk about sex. Like, I can just observe and say, you immediately want to give off a certain, or I do, and I think it's quite common, a certain perception of yourself. So I, the first thing I did would, would be to say in my limited experience, and that's like, you know, to, I don't know, because 
it comes out as like, well, it's better to be modest than to be to like um, say like, oh, you know, you, you you're gonna look like an everything everything you say. Everything one might say on the issue can easily be calculated to put on a little bit of a show. I think, what's the audience going to laugh at? What are they going to, what, how are they going to enjoy me speaking about my sexual experiences? Um, it, do you know what I mean? I think this is part of the embarrassment and bashfulness that are, um, it always has to be done with humour. You can't just, you can't just speak straightly about it. I mean, you can in your work. So I'm just interested in your feedback on that. Yeah, no, I think I think you're really right. It's kind of like there's no um, perfect way to be. It's like you want to be experienced but not too experienced and you want to be experimental but not too experimental. And where those lines are, like, changes depending on who you're hanging out with and what time you're alive. And so it's, it's very, very fickle. Um, I think one of the most liberating things that happens when you – start exploring sexuality for real like exploring tantra or, or whatever sort of aspect you take is that it takes um, the first thing that happens in the work that I do anyway is that you stop seeing climax as being like a goal yeah absolutely um, and, and changing it so that it's like really dropping into the moment and seeing what's really going on and as soon as you mm. start dropping some of those expectations of performance <laughs> Mm. like how it should look then um things start to get a lot more fun and a lot more kind of real <laughs> tell us what we get tell us what we get when we stop focusing on our orgasms and bring our attention more to the moment to the process of sex yeah great great question um so the first thing that happens is just the range of sensations and the experience of sensations starts to expand. So you feel a lot more in a lot more parts of your body than you were before. Mm. Um, and then over time you become more and more sensitive to it. So you become more and more sensitive to physical sensations and then you start becoming aware of energy. Um, and it just becomes a lot more delicious and diverse. You start to really connect with the mood of your partner and be able to kind of vibe off that and play with it. Um, that's kind of the first thing that happens. And then uh, for me, I actually went through a really weird phase where it was like, I don't even know what turns me on anymore because mm. it had kind of changed so much. I was like, <laughs> every time, like, this is like a totally different experience to what I'm used to. And it kind of took me a little while to recalibrate. Um, but I can say for myself and from the people that I've worked with who've been doing this for like decades that it, it just keeps getting better. You just keep being able to drop into deeper, deeper states of pleasure, um, experience different types of pleasure and just keep expanding the ways that you can connect and enjoy things. So I think, um, yeah, I think it's pretty great. <laughs> yeah. Sounds tantalizing. So it's interesting because you've seen a big transformation working with couples and, and helping them. Could you tell us a little bit about the kinds of things people expect or, or to find? I mean, I know they don't come in with expectations, but I guess you've maybe I just flubbed the question and I'm trying to reword it. But yeah, basically what, what amazing things happen when you work with couples yeah, I love working with couples. I mean, I love working with single people as well, but when I work with a couple, it's much more obvious the transformation that's happened. So a couple, uh, a, an individual might come in and I can see the, the change and I can hear the, to the tone of their voice and the description of their body language, but seeing the interplay with a couple um, when they've been working together is, is really, really powerful um, and just so, so beautiful. Um, even just in a session, 
watching like a couple that kind of come in and you know quite often obviously they're there together so they're still a team right but mm. they kind of have an attitude of being at war mm. and there's just so much grief that comes up mm. and so much disappointment mm. um and it's for me it's really humbling actually to have them the honesty that they bring mm. to a session like that where they'll start talking about their experience and how it didn't match their expectations and you know, it's it's a big deal to voice that stuff mm. to somebody. It's a really big deal to hear your partner say sure. that stuff as well. So it's always like, wow, this is um, and then to kind of just go through the process of like teasing out to what's really going on, um, how long has it been going on for? Like, uh, and usually it's not one thing. You know, usually there's a lot of different things. So I mean, they always say if there's two people in a relationship, like you're dealing with at least three, but because mm. you've got the two and then the relationship, but really you've got all these other parts. Of, their, of experience and stuff that are in in the equation so it's quite um it's an incredible experience to be able to go through something that like that with your partner and see them uncover something that is an issue that isn't really about you you know they might have mm. been reacting to something and you uncover what it really is and you're able to support them through getting through that or or having a couple um so there were a couple the other week um and it was They've been together for, I don't know, eight years, I think it is now, and they hadn't um, been in physical contact for the last four of those. So, and they weren't particularly interested in that either. They just wanted to stop fighting. So, <laughs> so I was like, okay, um, let's just see what we can do here and see what's going to make sense for this couple. Um, and we did an intimacy exercise that was just um, really beautiful. They were really, really courageous and humble the way they kind of dropped into it. And then at the end, um, normally I would say you can hug or kiss if you want, but with this couple I would like, so, you know, you can make eye contact and bow a little, or you can, if you're mm. feeling really bold, you could squeeze each other's hands, and they went for a full hug, and it was like, oh my god. Wow. Yeah, this that's is so a big great. deal. Yeah, because it's, it's all relative, yeah. isn't it, and to see that progress. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you know, every couple have got the things that are important to them, so I'm not going to tell them, well, no, that's the wrong priority. Like, mm. we'll work to what they, they need to, but it was so beautiful to see that connection and then just see that keep building over the next few weeks so yeah so good <laughs> yeah so good so for sure I mean that's I like the turn of phrase that you used when you you know you see a couple and like they're meant to be a team but there's this hostility there there's this war going on and this happens so many times in relationships too often it's like yeah you know, when we're, whenever we're children, we have these certain needs. In our modern society, I don't know if, I don't know if our, if our societies were ever fit for meeting these needs. I mean, human beings are born so prematurely because of the size of our head. You know, even if you got miracle parents, it would be very difficult to treat you like you were still in the womb for three months, which is where you would be if you were any other mammal. But, um, the, the thing is, the, the the parents not omnipotent and they can't always respond to our needs and feelings of abandonment arise. Our parents are fucked up too and they 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 had their needs frustrated. So meeting certain needs that you have that they didn't get met are psychologically challenging for them and they don't know why. They don't even realise they're doing anything wrong. And then we carry this um hole inside us that was. All of those uh, times we wanted to be able to turn to someone in a particular way and we couldn't and then we meet someone and they seem to click with us and fall in love and 
things are really, really great and we feel like this hole is filling up. But then somewhere or other along the line we discover that our partner isn't infallible or godly either and they don't always meet our needs and they don't always fill that hole and and a feeling of outrage happens and it's like well if she didn't do this you know that just oh I feel like so outraged and abandoned like because it's as hard feeling outraged is easier than feeling abandoned and then yeah. you start getting in this tit for tat cycle of withdrawing love or not doing something because they didn't do something and um it's very difficult it's a very very difficult thing it's got to be one of the greatest achievements um of mankind if you ever see a a couple that are happy over a very long period of time together uh, and we know that as evidenced by <laughs> well the failure rate how how many people fail to do it but really happy over a long period of time and you know if i was off um writing another book and I say oh I've finished oh wow what have you done this oh I've just write, written my second book of the year wow Anthony you're a machine what if I say well I've just been hanging out having a nice time with my girlfriends you know someone will look at you for, what <laughs> what like did you, did you, what you know we've, we've not really put the level of importance on the or the seriousness you know people don't read books on how to have a successful relationship or how to parent effectively or or anything like that um and if you know i sometimes feel like people just don't take life seriously and i i know i've just been um following my train of thought i'm sure you've got lots of reflections on what i've said from your perspective yeah no i think that's really really true and you know we we don't learn how to have a good relationship like we're still you know, we're kind of in this really privileged position in history where we have this opportunity to get beyond survival, where it's like we can marry who mm. we want to marry. That's true, and that is very contemporary. Yeah, so it's like, um, you know, happiness, like what sort of a luxury is that that's never been mm. necessary before? <laughs> so it sets us up really well. You know, we have all this conditioning and stuff that is amazingly effective at keeping us alive, um, but not necessarily very good at keeping us happy. So how to get beyond that? And we're lucky if we see healthy relationships modelled. Um, some of us do, a lot of us don't, um, mm. and all of us have accumulated, you know, stuff through life that affects how we see the world. And I think it's really interesting and, and insightful what you say about getting our needs met, mm. because I think one of the one of the things that I work with couples most on is trying to just release. A a little bit of that need to get mm. our needs met because mm. the we we do end up in that in that adversarial situation where it's mm. like I need this and you're not giving it to me mm. and but I need this and you're not giving it to me. Um, so often one of the first things that I work with a couple on is like an exercise called the couple bubble, um, which I just teach to people as an experiment. So it's just like try this out, see if it works. If it doesn't, all good. <laughs> um, and if it does, you know, amazing. Um, and so far it hasn't ever not worked. I'm mm. still open to the fact that it maybe one day it won't work because we're all individuals. But it's about like basically the couple come up with an agreement for how they're going to support each other and then they focus on um, getting meeting their partner's needs and not getting their own needs met. Mm. 
and the experiment is just to see if they're getting their needs met more or less by focusing on meeting the needs of their partner. Wow. Um, yeah, and it's 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 really really powerful, and I think um, yeah, I mean that's that's part of the reason I think it's quite sad in a way that our culture values, you know, we we don't think twice about investing in business coaching or entrepreneurial support or all sorts of different things but when it comes to investing in our private lives we kind of see it as like a nice to have or a, an extra thing or, or something you would only do if things are going really really badly um and i think that's a shame because a lot of us are missing out on we're either suffering mm. needlessly or we're missing out on incredible potential you know <laughs> yeah i mean we we just have that outlook if, if it ain't i've I mean, and I mean, seriously broke, then don't fix it. People don't go to the doctor until they're ill. Not that they should go to the doctor when they're well, but they don't think about their health until they're ill. And they, you, don't, you don't think about going to uh, learning more about relationships until you're in crisis. But we always knew that um, or heard that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And we... I wish well, part of the purpose, I guess, of the Be Yourself and Love It podcast is really to say it's not enough to be yourself. You know, because people, the first thing that people think is what, you know, my crappy self that didn't get dates in school. No, thanks. Any anyone but that person, you know, you have to love being yourself. And what I'm sort of trying to put out is like getting a satisfactory life is a waste you know it's satisfactory a lot of people don't even feel like their life is satisfactory when they end up you know they're the ones that get get help but it could be a lot better than satisfactory it could be very wonderful and um i i appreciate you saying that you know people don't look for help until it's broken so uh, you sounded like you had something to add on that point uh no just my general my generalized rant about what a shame that is (laughs) um yeah, I just it just does make me sad that people don't yeah. tend to do anything about their relationships until they're desperate, until they feel like it's about to end. People don't tend to do anything about their private lives, like dating or sexuality, yeah. until they've been single for like 15 years and they feel right. like they could never go on another date. Um, and, I mean, great that they do it at that point. Yeah. Um, but I, I do hope that um, as society continues to evolve, that yeah. more people start to just you know, start to keep an eye out for what is possible mm. and what they would like to create in their lives rather than, like, that kind of reactive reactive um, survival mode approach. For sure. So what is the speech that you would deliver yourself to Ruth Souter five years ago when you are just out of your relationship? What would you have you learned over the five, last five years that you would really like to have shared with yourself? Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I mean, I was a textbook person for a woman in our culture, I think, in a lot of ways. So I'd spent, I thought that the way to be happy was to make sure that everybody else was happy. Mm. Um, and I, I actually, I thought that that was really noble and that was mm. something I was like seriously, seriously dedicated to. And I had no, um, no, insight into that that was actually really damaging Mm. I didn't actually allow my partner to know what I needed or wanted I didn't know because I'd spent so long repressing it Mm. um and it's actually quite a kind of um manipulative way to be actually when you're trying to be like when you're happy I'll be happy like right right (laughs) um 
yeah, it was actually like it sounds like it's all noble, but it wasn't actually so nice. Um, so I really wish that that um, well, I don't wish that because we learn through our life experiences, and I would not be the person I am today if it wasn't for that. But if there's one message that I have for people, it's like to learn, like seriously putting ourselves first is what allows us to be the best possible partners that we can be. It's what allows us to be the best possible people that we can be in our societies and our families. Um, For men and women, particularly women though, because I think we've been kind of really cultured to um, think that our happiness comes from other people, Mm. like comes from having the right job or the right man or the right Mm. whatever. I'd say that's a, that's like the women's cross that they mm. bear, and I'd say that the cross that men bear is like they have to be providers and like they have to put providing above everything else. So as long as they're earning mm. money, then what you know they they feel like. Um, so like yeah, just like your happiness is is worth a lot, and feeling feeling like it's okay to be you, and like you can be accepted and seen and really loved for. Mm. It, it, who you most essentially are, I think, is something that we all deserve and should, um, should, uh, if we feel called to, <laughs> try and explore. Hmm. Well, so yeah, the, I think for for men, uh, vulnerabilities can often be the big struggle in um, relationships. Like I feel, well, I'm not saying I feel because I've dealt with this but I step into that um, zone and think you know I feel if I've got needs or if I feel like I've got needs because this is the the thing again you know not not always having to look to a partner to meet your emotional needs that (coughs) excuse me having those needs or expressing them might not be tough and might push someone away and that creates a sort of loneliness bubble um, I'm sure, you know, in history at one point this was very necessary for men because um, if you're too conscious of these vulnerabilities then, I don't know, you can't go out and slay a deer or fight a, the tribe that's attacking you or something like that. You know, you just need to get up and think. But we're, we are evolving as a culture um, into one where we can choose our roles more consciously and um, bring more of ourselves. I mean, people forget it wasn't that long ago that you lived where your parents lived, you did what your parents did, you married who your parents married, uh, whatever you produced it belonged to your feudal lord, not to you. You didn't get to choose what you did with the product of your own labour for the main part. What's the more, you know, you worked 61 hours a week, you didn't have much leisure time. So we've got so many responsibilities including choosing a partner that we've not had for most of history and we are not equipped by our society or education or parenting to fully take on those challenges or, or realise them. Mostly we're just kept in line by social convention. Oh, well, you know, if you don't like your marriage, well, that's just tough shit, quite frankly. You just make, make do. And that's what controlled people. And now we're kind of like... We were liberated, but the thing is, with every choice comes the responsibility for making a good choice or learning how to make a good choice. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, I do think, I mean, women are kind of, have kind of claimed the limelight, I think, for sexual empowerment at mm. the moment, and, and rightly so, because, you know. <laughs> yeah, historically. <laughs> all, things all of us know about. Um, but at the same time, it's like, um, 
it's not that easy to know how to navigate being a man these days, I think, and there's so much less dialogue happening about that. Um, mm. I've spoken to so many guys who are like, um, I haven't asked a woman out in 10 years because if I'm not, if I'm drunk, it's inappropriate. If I'm not, I can't do it because if, what if I'm a creep? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Line or, but then, and then they kind of get told that they're not manly enough because they should have been. And I right. think, um, it's a really, yeah. really hard, hard place to be. And like, how, how the hell does yeah. everyone have? If you're not, if, if, if you don't make the move, then you're too much of a wuss for her to be attractive. If you do make the yeah. move and she doesn't like it, you're a creep. You know, there's a lot of res- responsibility on men. And the thing is, these are things that can be learned by lots of interactions. I mean, I mentioned on this show before that one of the things that I went out and did was speak to, you know, hundreds of strangers. In fact, I still do it sometimes. Um, and, you learn from being involved in social interactions, but you're also going to make a lot of mistakes and come up like an idiot. And most people just don't have, the, <laughs> don't want to subject themselves to that because it is scary. And it, and it didn't get fun for a long ta- time. Well, I mean, it was fun, but it wasn't as fun as it was scary for a long, long time. Um, and guys, you know, now with uh, the, access to porn and video games are very educa- um, engaging and everything like that they're not getting out um they're not they're not getting the skills that they need to to be able to interact with women and to understand actually you know a woman's signals cuz women's um i i believe communicate very much more subtly than men do and they really get each other when they talk like this but they also find it very attractive when a man understands the language they're speaking um, and I just don't think that guys are getting that you're not going to get it from watching sitcoms uh, they present a very inaccurate um, view of relationships and you know what um, and, and it's bad for women because they're now choosing from a much smaller pool of eligible partners of guys who get it and, you know, might sometimes feel like they have to take what they can get. So I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about these things as well. And maybe I need to do more shows about um, this kind of thing. But we'll just see, we'll just see. I mean, you can reflect back on what you've heard. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really, it's a really, really valid point. And I mean, I've talked to a lot of women about this as well. I mean, from our perspective, like it's a catastrophe if it's right. like too much of a thing for a guy to come up and say hello. Yeah. Like that is really, really bad scenario. Um, yeah. And to be, you know, and women sometimes contribute a bit to that because mm. they'll be like, oh my God, like, you know, whatever. Um, but I think that it, it ends yeah. up with quite a strange world because then it means that the only people that are doing approaches in Public areas are like pickup artists, basically. Right. right. Yeah, you don't want to leave whole it. Up. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't want to leave it to the pickup artists. Do you know what I mean? And I, and I mean, in some ways, being approached by pickup artists is a relief because mm. he's like not going to take your like if you're it's a yes or a no, he's not going to be destroyed by your response. Um, so that's kind of how how precious I think social interactions have become have become. So. Yeah, anything we can do to help guys feel like they're not going to be necessarily shot down if they ask yeah. to buy you a drink. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've like um, read a lot of that material as well, and I think I saw our evolution. And, no, we've seen an evolution rather, because I think when that stuff started out, it was very much about like 
be what you be what you need to be to get the girl to have sex with you. But yeah. when people when guys were actually exposed to that, that's not what most guys are like. You know, yeah. they were like, well, actually, I want to be me. I don't want to. Ad- and that guy, um, Mystery, one of the first pickup artists, he had, um, he said in his book, um, what are you? You are how other people perceive you, which is obviously the complete opposite of the truth, because you can be completely fake. And he had a mental breakdown. And I reckon the reason why he had a mental breakdown is because he had no sense of who he was, of self. He just kept on adapting himself to whatever he thought the girls around him would go for. So that that's just my uh, amateur psychoanalysis. But as things went on, um, there's a lot more authentic stuff on dating for men that's come out over the last years and some of it was obviously influenced by the um, availability of the stuff on pickup because I guess guys realised these guys realised that if they went out and spoke to lots of women they could actually get better at interacting with women and learn about women and their needs and how to read them better and how to present themselves as their best self and without all the gimmicks and the tricks and the manipulations. So, yeah, so I've really welcomed that evolution. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I think um, I think it is evolving and there are some really good resources out there for guys that like want to learn social skills but don't want to learn like lines mm. and technique. Um, and and it's, it's, a, it's a funny world as well because I've worked with a few guys that are kind of, I don't know what you would call them, recovering pickup artists. Maybe. Right. It kind of goes through a phase where pickup is really empowering for some of these guys because they were the guy in high school that nobody wanted to go out with. Right. They never be successful or whatever, and then they learn those skills, and all of a sudden, like they, they're they're successful and they're meeting women, and it's, and it's really great and exciting. But then it's like the the measure of their self worth continues to be how many women mm. they can pick up. And they start to develop, um, all what happened for these guys anyway, mm. because they started to develop a really deep belief that they couldn't sustain a relationship. Right. So their own, only worth was in how many women they could pick up. And then they end up in a really negative cycle where they have to keep doing it. Um, there's lots of negative <laughs> propaganda wow. out there about me to do that. But mm. they're really kind of stuck in a cycle where this is all I can do. Like, this is. <laughs> right. Um, and it's yeah, not so it's deep. Really- yeah. And you can see why people would get frustrated with that because it's not deep. You know, yeah. You don't have the best sex with someone until you've been with them so many times. You know, often it gets better and better the longer you're with someone. Yeah, and like um, the guys that I've worked with, like they're totally capable of intimacy. Like the drive for intimacy was the reason that they Mm. got him to pick up in the first place, Mm. right? So um, because they were lonely. Yeah, so it's yeah, yeah, and the drive to connect. So I think um. Yeah, I think it's an interesting world and it's evolving in a hopefully positive way. <laughs> yeah, well, I certainly hope so. Um, and I've thought of creating some resources myself to teach some of the things that I learned about um, interacting women that I wish someone had taught me when I was like, you know, 20 or uh, whatever. But um, I've just not, not quite had the bravery yet, so people will need to... Um, stay tuned <laughs> for more of that. So something you said earlier I wanted to circle back to 
when you said um, the best thing that you can give someone that you're in a relationship with is um, putting yourself first, or, or rather, that will make you the best version of yourself to be in a relationship. And we've heard all those cliches like, if you're no good to yourself, you're no good to anyone else. Or, um, And, yeah. you know, one of my favourites says, I'll look after me for you and you look after you for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a really good one. And um, I I just, I always thought when, because I, I put some, the, the communication that I was exposed to when I was growing up was very poor. And I, that led me to develop an obsession with effective communication in my mid-twenties. And I read so many books on it and I modeled it and I demonstrated it and I brought it into my relationships and used it to improve them um what I came to think is when it's the the thing about finding out what your needs are that you mentioned it's like I came to the metaphor of don't give someone a half-baked cake like don't bring them your a whisk and some eggs and say like do something with this right the importance of tuning into yourself and understanding what you want and what you need so you know when you can come to your partner you can ask them for something that you could catch on a video camera not like i want you to be i don't want you to be so cold or uh I want you to be less clingy. Like, what am I meant to do with that? That's so vague. Like, if you can come to me and say, like, I would like you to hold me, you know, that's something that I can actually do, you know? Yeah. Yeah, um, and I think, um, that, sorry. <laughs> no, no, please, please, I want you to. Yeah, I, th- I think that's particularly something that women, um, as a general mm. rule, could learn to be a bit better at for guys because guys tend to respond incredibly well to, I need this and it looks like this. Yeah. Like if you go, I don't understand me. It's like, okay, uh, <laughs> I I really want to, but I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, uh, women are a little bit less, a little bit more likely to kind of be able to read between the lines as a general rule. Um, but I think that that's a really, a really, really good point. And I have so much compassion for humans in this area because I think so many of us, it's so much harder than it sounds mm. to be able to. Um, put ourselves first, to be able to know what we really want, all of that stuff. So for me, like I, you know, my family were well-meaning enough, but um, massively manipulative. Like if you asked me, you know, I had no sense of myself as I was coming out in my teens and I kind of seamlessly went through that into my first relationship, which was very similar. Um, So I think Mm. it can be harder than people give credit for to be able to just stand in your power and express what you need. Um, which is why I'm so passionate about learning these exercises for mm. self-discovery, like really, really gentle, consistent practice, like 10, 10 minutes, four or five days a week, like just connecting in with yourself. And if you have a partner that you're that is willing to do stuff with you, just doing stuff with them, like a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And it's absolutely like game changing being able to do that because I think it is a big thing. And like, we all know we're supposed to love ourselves mm. And we're supposed to be our authentic self and all of that stuff. And it's like if we could just do it because somebody told us to do it, we'd mm. all be doing it, right? Yeah. If we just took our way to all of this stuff being fixed, then we would have talked mm. our way to it being fixed. But it's a lot more subtle than that and it works. Um, very, very deep psychology. 
Um, it works with the whole, like it's a holistic thing as well, so we can just store stuff in our bodies, which is why part of the reason that sexuality is so powerful for transformation because mm. when we work at a physical level, we can shift stuff that would never happen with, or, or maybe after 80 years of talking, I haven't tested it, but um, yeah, so I think I think just like every most people need to cut themselves some slack for not being right. able to just step what we think we should be able to do and just start working towards it and yes. and recognize partners are going to need to be able to work towards it with us yes. as well. Yeah. Because if you watch the movies, then you expect that when you find the right person, things just click and all this stuff is easy. But the truth is there's a lot of skills involved here that, you know, like the communication skills we've mentioned, the ability to listen even when what the other person is saying is triggering you up and or, or even to say, right, give me a pause here because this is hard for me to hear. You know, that self-awareness, that's what I mean by don't give someone a half-baked cake. You need to be in tune with yourself so you can make direct requests. And we don't see this. We don't see this modelled. Um, and I, I like what you say about these exercises like do five ten minutes a week and because what you're saying really is that people need to actually have experience yeah we we kind of pop out of the womb we've got no experiences and we just absorb what happens to us and that's our only frame of reference you know you you know if you play checker you had the silly analogy but you you know you're always playing checkers you don't even know that chess exists or that there's a million other games that you could be playing until you have an experience of playing that and you go oh wow so there's other things that i could be doing other than what my parents did other than what i saw in the movies and things like that and this is my bugbear with the personal development field in general and i'm trying to you know i'm trying to change uh um with with these you know because so much of it is sold to you as if you get the correct information you will then be able to do better than you're doing now whereas information is really on this first step you need the information to go try this instead and then you need to actually try this like yeah. 10 times and then if it's good after so trying true, like if, go on. yeah i lost you yeah. please say that once like, more there's so much information out there like that was what we needed we would be yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i think that that is so true um and there's a lot of you know i mean the, the self-help industry is an interesting industry mm. as well <laughs> to be fair because there's a lot of um I guess there's, you know, we're in a capitalist society, so there's a lot of pressure to to make things super appealing and mm. make them seem like they're going to give you a quick, incredible result. So there's a yeah. lot of people, you know, selling, you know, they'll say, you know, mm. Tantra is going to make you stacks of money or it's going to attract your dream partner in however many days or whatever it is. And, um, yeah, and it's not going to be always, fast. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be like within a week because yeah. uh, we've all got short attention span. Mm. Um Whereas, you know, yeah, I think, like, just a, a more pragmatic approach, like, all of that stuff is not wrong, mm. um, but most of us don't start from a point where we can just go straight into that. So it's like, 
yeah, just learning some skills to start to step towards it and stop like blaming ourselves for not already being halfway there. Yeah, that's one of the hardest things to accept that you are at where you're at. Um, yeah. I mean, I work with a lot of people who are struggling and doing something very small, like for 20 minutes a day is they choose they choose something that they think would empower them and they think like um oh i the i i the fact that this is so hard is like so lame and like i'm never going to be able to do anything big you know with my life like this and i'm like well do you know what if you go and if you've never taken exercise and you went into the gym you'd be unfit you'd be unflexible or a yoga class you know unfit unflexible you're not very strong you can't hold your own body up and um, you get out of breath really quickly and so so on but that's just where you're starting you know doing that small thing to help you um you're not only getting better in all these different ways but you're actually proving to yourself that you can change and once you can change that then changing the next thing becomes easier and some of the ways that I've improved in my life I think if anyone knew what or if I knew what it was going to take before I made the change I'm not sure if I, I would uh, I would have made the change I always thought it was just around the corner just around the corner well I was looking just around the corner sometimes for a year or two before uh, or more than that before I got there but once you get there you know that it's you know that it was worth the work and and so sometimes maybe it's maybe it's good that we don't know all the demands of change but um, it's to, to be willing to just take a step and say hey do you know what if you can only do five squats today it's still better than doing none and you know you might be able to do sex on Thursday <laughs> you know yeah absolutely yeah because then it starts to build that self-trust and mm. that, that sort of congruence as well yeah I think um, I mean another thing that a really big key core thing that I do in my coaching is just changing the relationship that we have with the parts of ourselves that we don't approve of, like, you know, in tantra they call it your shadow. Right. Um, the hippie, but it's like we have so many parts of ourselves that we've learnt really early on, like that's bad, that's not good, that's maybe just shameful or disgraceful or whatever it is. And it might, you know, sometimes it's just like a little bit unacceptable. Maybe, um, maybe you just like to eat more donuts than you should, or maybe it's something that is just like unspeakably terrible. Like maybe you were five and you were caught touching yourself or something. Right. Like, oh my right. God. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah. And, and then we you... fight with them and then we create that kind of cognitive dissonance where there's different things going on. Uh, and quite often what happens is if it's really, really bad, sometimes even if it's not that bad, we kind of repress it so much we don't even know that it's there anymore. And it can end up, um, almost running the show for us so we have these massive fears of things that we we don't think are okay about ourselves um because we wouldn't we feel like we wouldn't be lovable if we were greedy or we wouldn't be mm. lovable if we um and that's um you know healing that <laughs> like yeah. recognizing that there's power in all the parts of ourselves mm. and you know we can take those things that we perceive to be weaknesses and turn them into you know um you know, how you can turn them into um, strengths, you can use them as like an alchemy mm. to give you so much more power and that you get more powerful even just by stopping that internal fight and realising that you have the internal fight going on is um, super, super powerful as well. Wow. Yeah, that's that, like, 
Like I just went on a rant. <laughs> no, 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 at all. That is exactly what you're here for. I actually found your so-called rant very inspiring. I was like, oh, good. This sounds exciting. It made me feel like, yeah, I want to explore the parts of myself that I don't give permission and like, you know, give them yeah. some attention and like um, open them up and see what's there. Why do I not? Maybe I, maybe I can give myself permission for a little bit of greed or you know, whatever it happens to be. That's the reason so often people have a breakdown and they come out afterwards like super powerful mm. because they finally go on, hey, you know what, I'm going to own all of this. Mm. And then they finally give themselves a chance to be all that they are because we are both, you know. We'd be really boring if we were just all fairy floss and unicorns. <laughs> like, thank God we do have all of these different aspects, but um, most of us are really terrified. Like most of us have some sort of belief that, no, 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 my my demons are going to be bigger than anybody else's demons have ever been. Um, mm-hmm. The thing that I, my greed is going to be somehow way worse than anybody's ever dealt mm-hmm. with. And generally um, it feels like that. And then when you actually go to approach it, um, which which we do in my coaching and which you do in Tantra, it's like, oh, okay, that that that's it. <laughs> that's it yeah it's kind of like yeah. the the wizard of oz you know at the end it's big it's booming it's scary because you've got a big taboo in it but then yeah. at the end of the day there's just a man sitting behind the curtain pulling levers and he's your puppet master and you you it's like you've got a bruise on you you know when someone's got a bruise on their leg they limp because they don't want it to touch the ground you've been avoiding all these yeah. parts of yourself and you kind of need to go in there and remove the line that says police tape do not cross and you know uh so that you've got more room room to move around in your own house you know it's like yeah exactly yeah and then the power that you have from doing that is unbelievable when you stop that internal fight of like i need to just hide this because it's not okay like and i mean it's um you know, when you think about it in that way, it's like really sad that most of us are going through life feeling like there's a really inherent part of us that isn't okay. Like if mm. anybody found out about it, they wouldn't love us anymore or we wouldn't be still employed or whatever it is. Because um, generally, if you if you um, just even take baby steps towards exploring that, um, there's just, yeah, it's one of the best things you could ever do. <laughs> and you have been exceedingly kind and told me before we started the interview that if anyone does want that, after hearing the show, you're offering them a free introductory session if they let you know that they, they, that you heard that they heard you on here. Could you tell yeah. us a little bit about that and what they might expect? I feel like you have a really special crowd, <laughs> so I would love to offer. Um, people, if they just let me know that they um, listen to the Be Yourself and Love It podcast, um, then they get a free um, deep dive hour-long coaching session with me um, to explore all of this and all other things or whatever they, they feel called to explore with me. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, that is just an astonishing offer. Like I I wanna I wanna claim mine so um, <laughs> definitely where should they email you? They can email me at ruth at ruthsalder dot com, uh, and I have four four sessions a week. So 
Right. Yeah, getting quickly. Right, so you need to get in quickly because she'll fill up. <laughs> so, I mean, we could probably talk for hours and um, love to have you back on the show again because there's never there's never an end to what we could discuss on this issue. And uh. to be honest, like speaking to you has made me realise how much there is to express on this stuff and what I've not heard that I'd like to share and hear you share from your experience. So uh, this is just like a really, really important topic, even more than I realised. So thank you so much for joining me and let people know where they can find your website. Yeah, you're so welcome. Um, yeah, so uh, Souter, uh, which is Ruth, I-E-T-H, Souter, S-O-W-T-E-R, which I think might be a Scottish name originally. Mm. Um, dot com. <laughs> okay, great. Thank you so much, uh, and speak to you again. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Anthony. It was great talking to you. My pleasure. Okay, don't forget to get in contact with Ruth to book your freebie, your free deep dive coaching session. What more could you ask for? Until next time, be yourself. Well, don't just be yourself. Be yourself and love it. <laughs>